Okay, you're listening to and maybe also watching another episode of the Tasty Spreads podcast. I'm your host, Dino DeCespedes, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Grant Angle. What is up, man? You know, living the dream, just looking to be out here with you, putting up a pair of triple doubles. But that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to be out here making history. That's right. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Tasty Spreads. Subscribe to the pod. We're dealing every single week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at this point, I don't know, you're costing yourself money by not subscribing. But um, basically, if you're on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, you can find us at Tasty Spreads Podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Check the tweets. Check the stats. We're posting pretty much all of our activity. Doing pretty well. We're just about at the midway point of the year. We're uh, very much in the black as a show. You know, yeah, I think you're 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 a little bit of a smidge under the the, the old Mendoza line, but I think we're kind of hanging in, and I think we're sitting on some winners. Hundred percent. So you know, for the people who were listening earlier, you got in. The, if you were taking the advice, you got some winners coming down the line. You are the Jimmy Butler of the program right now. You're carrying things a little bit. Uh, but I think I, I think I'm coming back. I'm on the comeback trail, so you know we're we're going to be fully comfortably in the black here soon. Love it. Yeah, Mike Malone making adjustments. Let's do what we got to do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, quick quick recap on what we've got open because, um, like I said, we've got some doozies. We've got both Denver to win the title plus four hundred and Miami to win the title plus five fifty. Those date back a few weeks. I think we need to put a pin in this for next season. Um, when we get to the NBA playoffs next year, if we've if we've got the feeling that a team's cooking, you know, and I think people are slow on the uptake, think about the Denver Phoenix series as an example. Um, and we've got a beat on something. Let's just go ahead and get that in early. And I think I even joked about, I mean, maybe a month ago, you know, when we were reading, oh, it was when when uh, the Heat were playing the Knicks, yeah, and both Heat Knicks were both in the plus twenty four hundred, plus twenty five hundred range. I kind of joked about it. I was like, yeah, you know. But, I mean, that would have been even sweeter. Oh, yeah. This one was yours. Miami plus two and a half games in the series, minus 145. We're halfway home on that one. That game two win had me feeling very good about it. And to be honest, still feel just fine about it. I know we're going we're gonna to talk about game three. Uh, I'm in good shape. I think we're, we're all set on this one. Absolutely. More to cover. Um, I also snuck one in. Denver to win game one. And Miami to win the series, plus 700. Uh, I, I guess technically I'm halfway home on that one, but still some work to do. Uh, still feeling really good about it. You're Denver in six, very live. So congrats on that one, plus 400. I've got Miami in seven, if your bet doesn't pan out, at plus 1,000. Um, and then again, a little bit of a sprinkle sprinkle on Bam Adebayo, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent to win the 2023 NBA Finals MVP. I think Bam's the only one that looks halfway realistic. Um, and after that game two, I don't know. I, I started to, I started to maybe envision a world where where that plus four thousand hit. Um, before we get into game three, what was your quick take on game two? I mean, they just did Miami Heat things. This Spo adjustment, and I, I like that we. I always like to preface things with, I don't know anything about coaching, but here's what I think about the coaching um, is. <laughs> And uh, we know my tricky uh, feelings about Kevin Love, but I thought it was interesting when they go, okay, bam, you're going on Jokic. We insert Love into the starting lineup. He now moves over to Aaron Gordon. That puts Jimmy primarily on Jamal Murray. And I know like the whole after game two, the whole, oh, turn Jokic into a scorer. That's like the magic formula. I think what that kind of did was it just made, it made Jokic's passes like, that much harder like the windows were like that much smaller in game two so like while this gigantic serbian rhinoceros is like in the paint and he's like his supercomputer brain is like do i pass it here no here no here no and then he's just left with okay i think i just have to to shoot it and i think that was an effective strategy and i think it was that was a win of just them being smart them being tough and then spo like kind of pulling the right levers that game definitely had suppose fingerprints all over it um and then game three big time road win for the nuggets we also talked about nba's top duo i think we're there yeah <laughs> I, think, I think Jokic and Murray are just you know now sitting in that top spot and just being like okay come get it 
in game three, I looked at the numbers. So Miami's three through eight outscored Denver's three through eight by a point in the game, 44 to 43. So you can call that even. Then you look at what the top two guys did. You know, it's been obviously beaten to death. But Jokic, 32, 21, and 10. It's just out of this world. <laughs> Murray, 34, 10, and 10. Another 30-point triple-double. You know, Butler and Bam didn't have a bad game. So Butler goes 28, 2, and 4. Bam, 22, 17 boards, 3 assists. But he didn't shoot it very well. 7 for 21. So basically, Denver's big two outplays Miami's big two by 16 points, 12 rebounds, and 13 assists. Which is basically another triple double. <laughs> they 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 outproduced you know Miami's two, top two by. They played a perfect basketball game um, off of each other and also independently. Murray got started super early, um, and you know obviously I'm not the first one to say this either, but the Christian Brown game. There it is. You know, like when when Malone needs an adjustment to the zone, you know, and basically one of the adjustments is hey get into the lane, hold the ball a little bit longer, another half a beat, give Brown a chance to cut, you know, and he cut from different angles, got a bunch of free baskets. Those baskets, you turn a guy who was a non-factor into a guy who put up, what what is it? He went seven for eight, 15 points in 19 minutes. And it wasn't only that, you know, it's the steal and the tomahawk dunk, you know, the silky like driving dish to Jokic. The and one on Lowry, the finish on Jimmy Butler in the middle of the lane, the flexing. You know, it's like when Christian Brown's flexing on you, um, <laughs> the vibes are just bad, man. Like, it's not the guy that you want to see, you know, just demoralizing your team and out there swinging it. It is just demoralizing. And, like, you could feel it in the crowd, too. I know, like, we've joked about, like, Miami Heat fans uh, en masse – Maybe not the most informed. They they like to cheer uh, a made basket that's like five seconds after the foul or after the whistle's been blown. Um, but even they knew, looking around, like, wait, is is this the guy? This is the guy who's kicking our ass really like for the past three and a half minutes. Like, what the fuck is going on here? I think you nailed it. Demoralizing was the right word. And it, when he put his shoulder into Jimmy and got that basket, I just sat there kind of. I said, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like, I don't like, any, I don't like anything about that. I don't like the optics. I don't like, there's nothing about that that I find enjoyable. It's like their eighth guy's beating up our first guy. Yeah, um, who was a guy that nobody wanted to mess with through the first three rounds. Yeah, I've heard people talk about Jimmy's ankle. I mean, to me, he also looks looks a little bit tired. You know, obviously, like he's playing at the finals level in the first couple rounds of the playoffs, and um. Ankle or no ankle, he just kind of hasn't really been able to hit that that level. And obviously, Bam had a great game too. For Miami's three through eight to only, you know, score in the forties, I don't think they had another um, score in, in double digits. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, they just kind of need a little bit more production, and they've got to find a way to slow down those two guys. Basically, like Denver found ways around the zone. Finally, you know, I think people are talking about having Jokic catch the ball facing the basket and Murray's shot making was just off the charts. I mean, yeah. catch and shoot, you know, getting to his spots, you know, spin one way, spin the other way. Like his library is uh, very extensive <laughs> and um, he just killed him like that game. But I mean, I think if you're a Heat fan, that's as good as Denver can play, especially with those top two guys. I don't think anybody else scares them outside of maybe Christian Brown now. So we'll see. <laughs> but um I, I did expect this one to go 2-2 after the first four. Um, this is just a, a scary kind of way to get to that that potential 2-2. But what, what are you expecting in game four? I think the Heat are going to win. I think I'm with you. I think it's going to be 2-2. I think now, and we had talked about it before the series, like Spo was like a gigantic coaching mismatch in the first three rounds of the Eastern Conference uh, you know, playoff bracket. And now the... The difference between him and Malone is not nearly as pronounced as it was against those other teams. Michael Porter Jr. played 20 minutes and didn't look really good in any of them. Uh, he had, had two points and just kind of continues to look lost out there. Um, and like you pointed out, uh, Caleb Martin was the only one who was the third player on the Heat who cracked double figures with 10. So he, he, he barely uh, made it across the line there. And so if you don't have a game 
uh, out of Struess, Martin, or Vincent, where they're going to give you like 16 or 17, it's really hard to win combined with Jokic and Murray giving you triple doubles. Um, and even at the end, I just, you know, they were down, I think uh, they were down like 20 with eight to eight minutes left. And then with like two and a half or like 240 left, they were down 15. And then with 90 seconds left, they were down nine. And I was just like, mm, I don't know, because they're just, they're just never going to go away. And I just think that this is the next game. They're just going to walk in there and just figure out somebody's going to, somebody's going to be the guy to give them that 16 or 17. Maybe it's fucking Haywood Highsmith. I don't know. Suppose Spo will just draw something up. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think they're super live to, to come back to Denver 2-2. I just, why would we, why would we expect anything else at this point? Yeah. I mean, I'm not even going to venture a prediction on how I think we'll get to 2-2, but I do think we'll get to 2-2. <laughs> right. um, I love the Haywood Highsmith. Don't think I didn't envision uh, Udonis Haslam kind of <laughs> <laughs> angels in the outfield kind of moment. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if that's the right sports movie analogy, but and him being our last line of defense against Jokic for some reason. I love it. So um, they're going to have to figure out something to do to slow those guys down. I don't think we can expect the same amount of shot making, but at the same time, Jokic, that was what they were giving up. You know, they were letting him, yeah. you know, back down with a couple dribbles and, you know, go one-on-one against whoever was there. Um, you know, and he definitely took advantage. And Murray, like I said, it was just a straight killer. I mean, um, if he's going to play like that, definitely the series is over. Yeah. And I, it reminds me of, so there's this thing that I do sometimes when my team is like playing really well or making a deep playoff run where I try to decide mentally what's the piece of memorabilia that I'm going to buy. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I think, you know, a team's going to win the championship, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait to get, you know, the championship hat, you know, like, let's say like when we've got LeBron Wade and Bosch, I'm like, now nah, we're going to, you know, we're winning the chip. I'm not going to buy any gear until we've won it. And I'm going to buy the gear that says that we won it. The most famous example I have of this was the 2010 NFC <laughs> um, wild card round, right? So the Eagles win the division and we had gone through a rough stretch. This is post Donovan McNabb. So pardon my side. So Eagles have a rough stretch after McNabb. Um, still have Andy Reid. And this is Michael Vick's year oh, when he's yeah. like, coming back and Deshaun Jackson and like, they're trying to like patch it together. It would, they were basically a shoestring tackle away from getting past the Packers. The Packers that year were the six seed the Packers win the Super Bowl. But I bring all this up to say that year I went to the Eagles game. We got tickets. So Eagles Packers was an awesome game to see in person. And I actually bought a 2010 NFC East regular season uh, division champion sweater, right? Because I was like, this team's not going, you know, very, I didn't have the highest expectations for the team, but I just made the decision. There's not going to be a Super Bowl sweater this year. There's not going to be, you know, an NFC champion sweater this year. I'm going to get my division champion sweater, 2010. And I tell you what, man, after game three, I thought to myself, maybe I need to take a look at these (laughs) Eastern Conference Championship t-shirts because... That was very, very, very scary to watch. Um, and it really rattled your boy hard. I don't blame you, man. I mean, there is something, again, to use the word demoralizing. When Murray shoots like that, it's just like, I don't know, what chance could you possibly have? And we know he's a playoff performer. Me and you have been singing his praises for weeks. He has to do it two more times. And to give them the best chance to do it, he's got to do it two more times. And... Fucking, he has to go through Jimmy Butler to do it. So good luck with that, Jamal. Yeah, I mean, he's got to do it at least one more time for sure. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Um, but, you know, they got it done on the road, you know, in a in a pivotal game three, like they like to call them, you know, and I think now they're up 2-1. Um, but like I said, you know, we expected, we expected the series to be 2-1. Um, I was actually shocked at, you know, the, the discourse – you know, at halftime of game two, where, you know, it's like a six point game. Stephen A. Smith is like, this series is over. You know, like, it's just like he's and I'm like, what What are we watching here? It's like a six point game. And 
it doesn't feel like what we're watching is a series that's over. It's just going to be one of those series of adjustments. And I think now like the balls in Spo's court, um, they're going to have to find something to do. I think they can count on a slower game from Murray. We talked about Murray being a little streakier, Mm -hmm. you know, so he, he has that in him, right? Like that 34 point triple double kind of game where he's just making everything. Um, but he's not that every game. If they can hold him, you know, to like, I don't know, the 40% shooting range. And, you know, they're just making it a little bit more difficult for him. Um, but again, like he's just so streaky that once you see those first couple go in in the first quarter, it just felt like it was going to be that kind of game. And I'm just like, oh, shit. All right, here we go. Um, and he delivered, man. Props to him. He's a great player. He's He, he has a pretty uh, solid track record of this now. But, you know, let's see it, man. Let's go. Heat culture, still alive. It's not going to, I mean, what, like Jimmy and Jimmy and Bam are going to be like, oh, okay, I guess we don't have a chance now. <laughs> like, I, I feel like they're like, okay, sure. Yeah, you got one. We won one at your place too. So let's, let's fucking keep it pushing. The thing that I was like looking for going into the series was kind of like Denver's depth situation, you know? And I think Miami hasn't really been able to make them pay at all. Like, you know, like we talked about Christian Brown, um, Bruce Brown's getting more of those minutes in a relation, you know, like over, you know, I guess who's he taking most he's taking mostly Michael Porter Jr.'s minutes last couple of games. <laughs> so, um, but you know, the Jeff Green minutes, you know, that it hasn't really come back to bite him. You know, they they're just they're just trotting him out there and he's doing stuff, you know, maybe like trying to match him up with the Kevin Love minutes. Sonic's legend. But um I re- I really thought yeah, I really thought um I really thought the depth would would play more of a factor and maybe we see that getting later into the series um especially with a game four after a quick turnaround on the road we'll see what denver is able to do like usually in these games i think it it breaks one of two ways i think historically miami wins this game because denver's not like the juggernaut right like um they're the better team but we've seen the the series ebb and flow if denver does win obviously the series is over and like now we start thinking about them historically in a different context, you know, just at that point, they'll have like really mowed down every team that they faced. Um, and then obviously these historic stat lines in the finals for their top two guys, it's just, we're going to remember that. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. So uh, they went five against uh, your Timberwolves. Uh, what, then they go six against the Suns, but only because of two absolutely Herculean efforts from KD and Booker in two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sweep off the Lakers. And then, yeah, if they if they win tomorrow, uh, they put themselves in pretty good position to win this one in five. That would be, I, I think that would fit your definition of pretty much mowing dudes down. Let's look at those game four lines. Not sure if you have a read on it yet, but Denver's minus three and a half. Um, and if you look at the money line, Nuggets minus 155, Heat plus 135. I tried the same bet in the Lakers Warriors series, if you remember. I was like, all right, it's 1 1. This one's going 2 2. Bank on it. And then, of course, the Lakers go up 3 1. <laughs> and I bet the Warriors money line, both of those. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, like whatever, you know, plus money. I think I'm going to do the same here again, just because um, I-, I took the money line Heat uh, before game three. Yeah. And if I take them again before game four, you know, if I split those two, I'd be in the plus, you know, dollars wise. So that might be something I I actually go ahead and look into. But again, man, I'm so tied up in <laughs> all of these like heat finals bets. Uh plus emotionally that it's a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself at the very least to the end of the show to make a final call on that. Okay. Cause I mean I'm looking at it and so I, I commend you. Um I saw the tweet, I got the tasty spreads notifications on. Just a big old coward over here in Seattle, Washington. And I just saw it and I was like, God, I just don't know how this one's going to go. And I'm with you on that exact line of thinking. This is going to go 2-2. And, you know, I already got, you know, as you covered, we got the, the Nuggets winning the finals. We got the, uh, the, we had the foresight of putting the Heat winning the finals, all that. And I was just like, I just don't know how game three is going to go. I talked myself into like five different outcomes and ways that we could get to those outcomes. I was like, what if I just sit out game three? big coward style, and then I just take the opposite side in game four. Um, so 
I'm heavy, heavy lean on just heat money line. Um, Cause I just, I just got faith in them, man. I just got faith in Jimmy and bam, and they're going to make some adjustments. It was a little concerning that the Kevin love adjustment went well in game two and didn't go so well in game three. I mean, he eventually kind of became unplayable, which let me, and I know it's, it's largely a defensive thing. I, I will say one like gross flashback that I had was there were so many games in his four years for the Cavs where things would be just kind of starting to get away from us against the Warriors. They'd be up like seven at the end of the third. And it's not like, you know, it's not crunch time. There's like not a lot of like measurable shit to this, but we, we'd be down seven, but like kind of fighting to stay in it. And Braun would go to the basket and he would kick it out to love wide the fuck open on the wing. And I swear to God, Kevin Love is oh for a billion in that situation. He just never seemed to make that one that like, yeah. it's not, you know, it doesn't feel like a super crucial part of the game, but just the energy like in the building after you're like, it's like, oh, he's wide open. This is our $30 million guy. He should probably make this. And it just felt like he never, ever, ever, made important shots for us like in those little moments and he did it like once or twice yesterday it was just a cold shiver down my spine where i was just like you're just not you're just not gonna do it huh? you're just never ever gonna do it for me <laughs> yeah i can picture those from the wing mm-hmm. that um felt like they were always like back of the rim they were always long. every time <laughs> yeah so i could close my eyes and absolutely oh, see that yeah man um yeah game three was tough you know i think that one string of fouls on gabe vincent I don't like, I'm not talking about the ref guy because the refs, you know, they, they get calls, right. They get calls wrong. Things relatively balance out to me. It's part of the game. So I don't really care about that, but um, you can see that that took him out of the game. Um, And it's like, once you get to the finals, a couple things go against you. And now all of a sudden, you know, things are really wobbly, um, which is the opposite of what happened with Christian Brown, easy baskets, he looks great, you know, and now he's got the mojo to kind of go after that steal. Exactly. You know, get it. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to kind of do the look over my shoulder and try to draw a foul and get cute with it. He's like, no, no, no. Flush We're it. tomahawking it. <laughs> yeah. He's flushing it. And then I'm going to scream it. <laughs> These fans are in the second row here. Um, so, but, but again, that comes from really feeling yourself in that, in that situation. Um, and didn't seem like any of the Heat players could get going. Even the Caleb Martin, you mentioned him hitting double digits. A lot of those were in non-consequential minutes. Yep. Um, hasn't really found his footing here in the finals. But yeah, you might have talked me into Miami plus three and a half. So I think we'll go ahead and <laughs> put that one in. I'm, I'm in on that one. Um, so mark that one down. You like the series number. Real, okay. real quick, you like them plus three and a half and not on the money line? You think they might just play it close? Because I, I do think you dropped some wisdom the other uh, last show when you were like, I think Miami, they either win or you take the Denver extended spread where they're like minus 14 and a half or something. Yeah. It should have done a game three, uh, game three, <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually misspoke. I think, yeah. Plus plus one thirty five on the money line is what I would be expecting there. Gotcha. Um, and then the series numbers for those interested, I think it's sitting at Denver minus 800 Miami plus 600. Those odds feel a little fat. Um, considering this one could be 2-2. I don't know. What do you think? Are you still feel good about Denver in six? Would you change it if you could? Um, I don't think I, I don't think I would. I mean, my heart wants me to. I, I was like, I'll say even after the last episode, I was a little peanut butter and jealous that you had heat and seven and i was just like i should have just did heat and seven but that might just be a rooting interest also it's not even like i hate denver or whatever like you know i understand Jokic and and, and murray and obviously again i'll say a jeff green sonics legend as you mentioned at the start i think denver and six pretty live right now did jeff green play for the original john thompson It was close. He might he might have played on um, yeah he might have played on that team with Jack Sigma that won the finals for the Sonics in '79. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> You've been around a little while. Yeah, give me a Jim McElwain flashbacks. <laughs> Outstanding. 
All right. Anyhow, so I think the only the only new action that we've got looks like we're going to go Heat on the money line plus one thirty five in Game Four against Denver Nuggets to even that series out. Culture. Um, culture. Absolutely. A couple of Heat lifers here. Um, <laughs> we don't we don't care that Grant didn't want to change his finals pick. Guys, we're still rock with Nuggets at six. We're not going to hold that against him. He's just out here trying to make some money mm-hmm. like the rest of us. Um, I don't know. Did I miss anything NBA wise? I think that we about covered it, unless we want to talk about um, Zion Williamson, but there's nothing really to bet there. It's just, <laughs> I don't think this is this is the venue. It's just, uh, man, you know, good luck to everybody involved. Let me say that. We might see old Zion in a different jersey soon. Um, that That's going to be my prediction. I think before the end of this upcoming trade deadline, I think he's somewhere else. That Wow. By, by this trade deadline? At this point, you know, you'd be definitely selling low, but there's still some value there. And I don't know, look at the Ben Simmons market, you know, um, Zion doesn't, it doesn't strike me as something that's only a physical limitation. It does seem like mentally, he just kind of doesn't want to play. Um, and this has actually been a really interesting evolution. I'd say the last five or so years you know, sort of like mental health. Like to me, it started with like Royce White when he got drafted. Yeah. I don't know if you remember him where he was like, oh, I, I don't want to fly, but he got drafted. He gets his you know, first round contract. He was the first guy that really was like, yeah, you know, I've got a lot of anxiety and a lot of this stuff is just not not good for me. And I don't feel like I'm being supported. Um, got a lot of backlash back in the day. I don't know. I think we're going to start to see careers really straight away getting derailed a la Ben Simmons more frequently, sadly. And I think even a guy like Kyrie falls into this category Mm. where he's like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll play. Maybe I won't, you know, maybe that's what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Maybe not. (laughs) It's like all like, it's not, not a thing that guys, you know, uh, in the NBA did, you know, and I think Zion just kind of strikes me as a guy that we could, we might've seen like the best of Zion, you know, sats like, just because if you can't really summon it mentally um, to the or and you can't really even keep yourself in shape physically, yeah. um, you maybe could play and you're not playing. I don't know. What, what do you what do you expect from him? You know, my policy. And even though I always have kind of been a little uh, confused, frankly, that like people treat Atlanta and New Orleans as like kind of your small market teams where. I, I think you you did work in Atlanta or you lived around there for a while, I think. Yeah, I lived in Atlanta for a year. Yeah. There you go. Um, and, you know, I've been there multiple times and um, been to New Orleans uh, a couple times. And just like if I were mega rich and in the NBA, uh, those would be like two destinations for me. Like those are incredible cities with like awesome history and things to do and fun stuff. Um, but, you know, thinking of like my small market mentality, if I'm the Pelicans – uh, I would just try to flip everything around to just help help the kid. I mean, what, he's 23, 22, something like that. Like, and uh, when he plays, I mean, he is fucking devastated. <laughs> like, and so, yeah, like, you know, the, some of the mental stuff is, is tricky. There's a great book called uh, Tanking to the Top, uh, written by Jeroen Weitzman, who is a, uh, I think he wrote for a Bleacher Report for a while. But it's about the process, essentially. And, uh in there, I, I don't know if I can recite the entire order off my head, but before they would get on the team plane, an assistant would bring Joel Embiid, I think, I want to say it was somewhere between two and four Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches uh, with, with two large orders of waffle fries and two large milkshakes. And the assistant was like, sure, Joel, whatever you say, buddy. <laughs> like they had to eventually be like, dude, Please stop doing that. Like that is not like we we need you to consume calories, not quite that type of calories. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, you, like you think about being in New Orleans, my God, what's available to Zion? Like delicious food that's available to him there. But I just think you know, same with same with Ja too. Is like okay, their kids. That's another one. Yeah. Like let's let's see like what can we put around them. We might have to try three or four things, but if I'm if I run a basketball team in Memphis or I run a basketball team in New Orleans, 
I'm not getting rid of either of those players because you just don't have a chance at those type of dudes very often. I mean, you're totally right about that. But I guess the the bet is, you know, where do you think their careers go from here? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Jaw's a great one to call out just because, you know, he's another guy or it's impossible not to ask yourself how much does this guy really love basketball or care about basketball yeah. or care about his NBA career. Cause like you could separate basketball. A lot of people love basketball, but maybe don't love the NBA career and everything that comes with it. And yeah, Zion's a scary one. Jaws a scary one. And these guys are so big and so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. I mean, John must, must run Memphis gotcha. and must to have absolute carte blanche within that organization. And then I heard somebody talking about Chris Paul. It's like, oh, well, what if Chris Paul went to Memphis and he could be there and, you know, be one of these guys to steady the ship? And I'm like, you think John's going to give a fuck about what Chris Paul is going to come in and tell him what to do or whatnot? Like, hell no. Like, you know, generationally totally different. Mm-hmm. And John's the man there. Yeah. You know, so it's really going to come down to him and his willingness to just try to live a different kind of life. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and it works both ways. The, the Chris Paul thing is hilarious because, of course, Job Morant is not going to care about that. And Chris Paul's going to be like, motherfucker, I got two kids already. Like, I'm busy. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'm not watching this guy. Like, what am I going to go hang out yeah. with him? We're 20 years apart. Yeah. Let's move on to the football. Where should we get started? Gee, let me let me think about this. Who's playing an important football match? Um, my shirt here says not really here. This is a Manchester City uh, club song. It used to be a melancholy song sang by fans of a club uh, kind of on a wayward path. They were a distant second uh, in their home city and fans would kind of echo throughout uh, the stadium. I'm not really, we're not really here as kind of just a sad tune. Uh, Then of course, uh, the club was uh, was purchased by uh, interests, uh, foreign interests, we'll call them, um, and things turned around. And now it's a song of uh, disbelief, of of amazement, of wonder, uh, and it's it's one of my favorite favorite things about the club is that you know, yes, uh, is it a lesson in uh, that financial prosperity turns out can can turn around your fortunes, uh, of course, um, but it's it's also it's a, it's a tune about people in a working class city who caught a break and now get to kind of enjoy the spoils of that break and still remember the, the before times. Um, so yes, let's talk about Manchester city, um, uh, playing Inter Milan, uh, in Istanbul in the champions league final 12 noon Pacific time, 3 PM Eastern time on Saturday. So let me just give a quick word because I'm about to do, I'm about to say some things about Inter Milan. But let me just give a quick word about Edin Dzeko, Manchester City legend. Uh, scored the late, late, late equalizer in the 93-20 game uh, to win us the title. Um, to give us our first title since 1968. I remember that team well. Uh, Colin Bell, Mike Sotheby. Um, <laughs> great team we won the, we won the first division uh that year uh but then we didn't win again until the 11 12 season obviously with the 93 20 uh game involved there um ed and Jekko, i love you 72 goals across all competitions uh for my sky blues i believe 50 of those were premier league goals i remember the first uh it was like the uh, the third or fourth game of that season that we ended up winning on the on the aguero goal he scored four goals against Tottenham, um, a Tottenham side that had Luka Modric, Gareth Bale, and in goal one Brad Friedel <laughs> from the U.S. Men's <laughs> I watched the highlights because I was thinking I was like, "Yo, he had like a four goal game." And I I Google uh, you know Ed and Jekyll, Manchester City four goal game, and I start watching it, and Friedel's in goal it gave me great joy. Uh, <laughs> um, and then low-key, I'll, I'll raise my hand my, at my ignorance here. I fucking forgot Modric played for Tottenham uh, way back when. So that was that was a funny reminder. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck. That guy's awesome forever. Um, so, Ed, love you, buddy. Thanks for thanks for the fun from, I think, it was 2011 to like 2014-ish. Um, appreciate you. 
Now let's get to let's get down to business. I had in in preparation for this pod, in preparation for what my life is going to be on Saturday morning, I had the extreme displeasure of watching Inter Milan play football in the run up to this Champions League final. Um, I watched uh, their uh, round of sixteen and their quarterfinals, uh, and obviously I watched the semis against AC. Um, they went through the rough gauntlet of uh, playing against uh, Porto and Benfica. No disrespect to the uh, Portuguese Primera. Uh, that sounded more Italian than Portuguese. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, no, no disrespect to the two best teams in the Portuguese league. Um, but that's not exactly the stiffest competition you could face, um, considering we played Bayern Munich, uh, RB Leipzig, and Real Madrid. Um, a little talent difference there, I would say. Um, I rewatched those Porto games. These dudes shouldn't have beat Porto. Porto had them on the fucking ropes. Um, there is some kind of, whether it's witchcraft or some kind of spell that they have cast, where there were just multiple. Porto's strategy looked to be, we're just going to rip shots directly into the chest of Inter Milan's uh, goalkeeper. And we're just going to see how that works. And if we don't hit the keeper directly in the chest, we will hit either... Uh, post or the crossbar and turns out hard to score when those are the only kind of shots that you're taking um so let's let's just we'll just run through this real quick in in the first leg versus porto uh porto had 1.65 expected goals inter had 1.58 marginal difference it's it felt like the the chances really leaned toward porto inter wins that game one nil mm-hmm. in the second leg Porto's expected goals, 1.87. Inter Milan, 0.5. It no business <laughs> winning that game. They sneak past Porto, and they go on to play Benfica. Um, really didn't have much, uh, much business winning that game either. But Benfica, they looked at what Porto did and were like, oh, you're really just blasting the ball into Onana, their goalkeeper's chest? Well, maybe that will work for us. Perhaps we can put a hole through his chest to score a goal. Turns out, no, you can't. If you just keep kicking the ball directly at Onana, he's just going to stop it. Um, and shout to him, by the way. Uh, I will just say, uh, Onana, goalkeeper for Inter Milan, seems to be intelligently positioned. Uh, he's a, a bouncy a bouncy goalkeeper. Um, puts, Like I said, puts himself in good positions to, to stop shots. But, man, he was just – they were just – everything is right at him. Um, and so they're able to kind of sneak past uh, Benfica. And then you think about the – the the ties versus uh, AC Milan they're just a better team and they were just gonna they were gonna walk through them it was a, it's a derby in name only at this point I feel like they're like four or five and zero oh in in their last uh, like five matches somewhere around there um, so Inter Milan has a pretty easy road they walk uh, they walk into this final and they're gonna play a juggernaut they're going to play the best club in Europe and possibly the best club of all time. A club that treated last week's FA Cup against Manchester United, against their their biggest rival, um, uh, one of the parts of the genesis of this song, and they treated it like it was the first leg of their other Champions League games, where we we went to RB Leipzig and we drew them 1-1 because we just kind of felt it. We just just feel them out a little bit. We can go about 80%. And then we go and we bury them. I believe that was like 7-0 or 7-1, something to that effect. And then we go and we play against a little club called Bayern Munich. And we draw them. And we go about 80% and we kind of feel them out in the first leg. Then a week later, we come out and destroy them. And then the exact same thing happens with the other plucky underdog, Real Madrid, where we we have a feel-out game. And then we come back a week later and we batter them. So I do understand that Manchester United and Inter Milan are two different clubs that present two different types of challenges. Um, I think Inter, they have a, they have a good defense. Uh, they, uh, I think they were a uh, top five defense in Syria. Um, but they just don't have the horses to, to, to run with us. I, I did see some punditry that's like, oh, KDB, he looked tired at, six, at 60 minutes. Maybe he's not, you know, maybe he's not gonna, uh, maybe he's not well, or maybe Grealish isn't fit. These guys have just been resting for weeks uh, and then kind of just very gracefully ramping up. 
and even me kind of glossing over it, we treated the final of the FA Cup against Manchester United as a warm-up game. And we still won. And although I will say there were some uncomfortable moments, because we were, were up 2-1, um, and I just kept thinking about me and you talking about for these past several weeks, Manchester United just relies on these moments of brilliance. Let me tell you, as bullish as I was on City winning that game, when you're up 2-1 and Marcus Rashford has the ball just outside the 18, this is a little scary hours. <laughs> I'll admit that. Yeah. Um, They're dangerous. For sure. But we just we end up just walking away with it. And I just think we're coming into this game. And I just exp- expect it to be an absolute blowout. Yeah. I mean, one thing I will say, I took a look at that Inter squad. Um top to bottom and i was like i only know like two of these guys <laughs> right <laughs> right so uh no but all joking aside i mean i think that the only chance in my opinion that inter has is for city to have to go like full turtle you know in the game <laughs> and just get a little nervy first one from holland gets away from them you know kdb hits the post early then maybe something happens the other you know like the only chance that Inter's got is if things get very tight, yep. as we like to say. And then I could see some of those things that you mentioned as benefits. Okay, a lot of time off, a lot of rest. These guys are ready. Then I can see that maybe swinging the other way, you know, and being a little bit of a detriment. Because when you're resting midseason, it's a little bit of a mind fuck because you know that, that you've got to go play. Um, but you're also trying to rest. But like your body's like, no, 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 we're, we're still in it, but we're still very, very much in it. Yeah. So it, it kind of makes it a little tricky to kind of like upshift and downshift. I don't know. All of a sudden, if Pep throws out the death lineup, right, and they don't score, you know, now what? You know, um, with that said, I fully expect them, you know, to lift the cup and, and walk. But um, that is what you see sometimes in these matches where things just get really, really nervy just because the pressure does build. People do want to do it for Pep. And I think if you're Inter, that is the kind of game you want to play. You know, like really kind of mucking it up, very defensive, stay in the game, essentially survive. You've survived this far. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens. I I drew a little a little bit of pencil, pencil marks out around the draw, plus 365. Can't help yourself. I, I really can't, but you know, turns out I can't help myself because all I did was just call attention to it. Um, Not going to do anything with it. It just seems uh, too far-fetched, unfortunately. And then I don't get to end the season um, from a find-the-draw standpoint um, on the winning side of things. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually going to keep my my walk-off intact probably until next season. Yes. Um, And I'll avoid the draw here, but I thought it was worth calling up because it is over that 300 number at plus 365. So maybe there's some brave souls out there that want to take that one for a spin. I honestly think, I mean, you know, in the spirit of looking for the tastiest spreads out there, I mean, Vegas, um, you, you know, seems to agree with me. It's hard to find value for city in any of these bets. I mean, these are, they are a gigantic favorite. Um, I will say I took City to win the Champions League uh, at plus 225 on March 17th. Uh, so that's out there. Um, so, like, I already have action on it, but what am I going to do? Come on here and be like, all right, I'm just standing pat with my bet from St. Patrick's Day. No. And I'm not. And I'm certainly. And I've heard people say, like, you know, either it's the draw in regular time or enter um, or nothing because you get no value betting on City. I'm not hedging. <laughs> like get the fuck out of here there's no, like yeah. Uh, yeah kick me off the show find a new co-host if i were to come on here and be like oh no there's value on inter like it, we are going to fucking destroy these dudes i forced myself to watch it they play this defensive style they're gonna hang back they they do have some uh bastoni and a couple of their other barella like some of their players can play out of the back a little bit some of their defenders and they can hit some. They hit some pretty quality crosses, you know, to end up beating uh, Benfica and, and Porto and AC Milan. They have some juice on the counter, 
But there are also those times where teams try to do that against us, and they're like, okay, we're going to hang back, we're going to let them hold the ball, and then we're going to go on the counter. And then they're like looking up at the scoreboard in the 28th minute, and you're down 2-0 because we don't hit the ball right at the keeper. We fucking bury it in the top <laughs> corner. And that's what I think is going to happen here. You know, I got City to win the, the Champions League plus 225, but also I'm going to throw a half-unit sprinkle on City minus 2.5. That is at plus 330. I like it. I think it. I think it, we might be looking at four to nothing in this game. I don't think that Inter is going to participate mm-hmm. in the scoring um, because when you do put those crosses across the middle against us, uh, we have Nathan Ake, Manuel Akanji, John Stones. Uh, you know, just for good measure, Kyle Walker's out there. Like we're we're essentially, and you have Rodri drifting back, playing defensive mid. We we basically have this crazy monster of five center, five very skilled center backs that you have to deal with to try to score on. Who, oh by the way, can also play the ball forward and and get into an attacking posture. So I just don't. Yeah. Go ahead. I no, I saw Stones playing in a pretty advanced role in the FA Cup. And I was like, what the, what the fuck is this? Like, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm glad. Thank you for yeah. bringing that up. Because when he played at Everton, um, he would kind of like try some of that stuff at center back. And like, you could hear the crowd, like kind of start to whistle at him. Like, Hey, Hey, knock that off. Stop doing yeah. <laughs> like Stop doing that. And he was not nearly as skilled as he is now, but like, that transformation, because he looked like, and now he is slimmed down a little bit. It looks like he's got like a little heat culture stuff where he's like kind of rounded into a more like <laughs> athletic form a little bit uh, as he's gotten a little older. But he kind of, he just had the profile of like a hulking center back who just is out there just heading balls away from the goal. This dude can fucking dribble and play and make smart decisions, and he is not pressed. Like if you're running right at him, he will very calmly turn and make a good decision. Yeah, that's another just kind of testament to Pep being able to take take these guys that where you can see the skill, um, and you obviously know that big teams are sniffing around, but it does seem like Pep is able to kind of like in a lot of cases reroute their career a little bit. Yes, um, d- design a new role for them, and it somehow kind of fits the team. And you know when you see where he's putting guys and what he's giving them to do. Um, that's always pretty exciting. You know, when you when you talked about uh, putting it at the top of the, you know, like that Gundo on goal. Come on. I mean, just the sheer audacity of that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it, it's basically the equivalent of like flipping a table. It's going to walk walk into a buffet and just kind of flipping the table over and just being like, all right, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, that was just nasty. I love, I mean, and if you're a United fan, obviously like the scoring 12 seconds in, is just devastating if you're a United fan. But the thing is, too, is, you know, we play the ball out. Also, let me just talk about, like, in talking about warm-ups. So I listen to the uh, the BBC, it's like Football Daily or something like that, the podcast. They had uh, Peter Schmeichel on, a former Manchester United uh, goalkeeper on, before the game was played. And he was kind of like, if I was Ederson... I would be furious that Stefan Ortega gets to play all the FA Cup games. I'm the number one goalkeeper. And it just made me laugh. Just like, we just, Pep just goes, oh yeah, for the FA Cup games, for the most important domestic cup that we have, the most important tournament that we have, obviously not the league withstanding, we just play our backup goalkeeper for that. That trophy, we, we'll just win that trophy with the second goalkeeper. And so now he gets the, the sweet metal and he gets to do all that. That's where we're at in, in the proceedings here. Yeah. Pretty, pretty insane. As soon as I saw that he was in, in goal, I was just like, well, these... <laughs> it's just not, not, you know, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. And they talked about this too. I mean, also if you're a United fan, so you get beat by obviously a great team and their backup keeper, but you mentioned the audacity of Gundogan to, to even fire that volley. He's standing there by his fucking self at the 18 to hit a volley. That's just gruesome defending. Like, I know it was like off a header yeah. and it was like a little bit of like a transitional type moment, but you, I mean, he can't be standing there by himself. Yeah. Are you talking about the first one or the second one? Uh, the first one. The second one, he's by himself too. Yeah. The second one, he's <laughs> by himself. And they were really, they were, they were killing Dea on, um, like, I saw it, obviously take Twitter for what it's worth, but. 
they were kind of calling it a soft goal on a couple of the football podcasts I was listening to. Am I crazy? But he looked like he was very obviously screened on that. That's definitely what it looked like. And, you know, Varane was there. It was just a weird ball to get through <laughs> that little crevice that it got through, you know, so that's just kind of one of those things. But I don't know, pretty impossible to blame De Gea there. I agree. Um, even when United tied it, I think the I forgot who was calling the game, but it was like, you know, this is sure. <laughs> this is not what the scoreline should be. Right. <laughs> but uh, here we are, 1-1. Um, was pretty exciting for anybody who had the draw last week. <laughs> I'll lie, your boy. Uh, but at, at no point, you know, we, we've talked about some of these that feel like locks. Um, this one, I mean, it felt like um, there was no way this was going to draw after 90. I would have to get really, really lucky. You mentioned the City minus two and a half. The line on that one. Uh, City minus two and a half is plus 330. Plus 330. Which is the thing. Like, that's not gigantic value. That's part of my reason to only put like a half sprinkle on it. Right. I mean, it's impossible. Let me just, you ponder, and I I know you're uh, definitely much smarter than me and smart enough to ponder while I'm going to read you some other fun props and just... We're called, again, we're called tasty spreads. We're looking for tasty spreads. These Vegas motherfuckers, Holland to score two or more goals is only plus 250 in a professional football game, in a final. In a final. In a final. It's only plus 250 for this guy to score two goals. Holland to score a Hattie or more. (laughs) You know what I had to say. You know I was going to say Hattie. (laughs) <laughs> to, to score a Hattie or more is less than 10 to 1. It's plus 950 for him to score a goddamn hat, at least a hat trick. Jeez, I'm ha- I'm having trouble <laughs> wrapping my head around these. I think I think the hat trick one, I think there's more meat on that bone, to be honest. I think it's a little funner. Yes. If he gets two, you feel like he's getting three, right? Mm-hmm. Like... You, you know he's looking for three. 100%. That we know because we've seen it. We've seen him get the second one and crank that shit up for the third yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then he wants four. You know, as soon as he... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's go. Yeah. Um, so here's another one. So on DraftKings, they have both to score uh, prop bets. So th- these going to be Holland plus somebody. These are all plus 500. So it's either Holland plus KDB Holland plus Mares or Holland plus Gundawan plus 500 each. Hmm. Well, Mares, get him out of here. I think he might play, not, buddy. Not, I don't I have a I have a weird feeling that he might play. I think he might start. And no, it's not the death lineup. I got a weird feeling. Even if he starts, I don't know. I'm going to have to see it to believe yeah, it. That's fair. We we're just coming off an Easter Conference finals where Jalen Brown started and <laughs> He didn't look like he wanted to play. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, our, our boy Riyadh's got got a little bit of that um, Jalen Brown funk to his game. Feels like it um, recently. So he's out for me. Gunduan. I mean, how many more has he got? He's he's just on an absolute tear. And quick sidebar: Why is City even entertain the idea of of letting him maybe move on? I know he's a little bit older, but... No, 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 they're not. That one seems puzzling. They're not. They're begging him to stay. They're not. They hope he stays. I just think, I mean, you know, I reference Manchester as a working class town. I just think that Gundogan's like, uh, does Real Madrid want me to go? Like, you know, I, I might rather live somewhere much nicer than the city of Manchester. Yeah, maybe North London. We'll see. <laughs> Who knows? Gundogan, I'm not sure. KDB would be my pick of those three, but for some reason, doesn't feel like him and Holland score that much in the same match. That yeah, I yeah, that's an that's an interesting point. Like they in the FA Cup semis, um, you know, where Holland just fucking brutalized Burnley, and then KDB came back late and had one. That's like off the top of my head. That's the last time they scored together. But that isn't that is a really interesting point. I think KDB would have to get his first, mm. and then Holland makes it two, or Holland makes it three. Yeah. That would be the pathway for that one. Um, that one's interesting. I don't know if it's as good as Holland with the Hattie plus nine fifty. That's just fun. 
I like everything about it. What else you got? Um, all right, let's take a look. So what else do we have that's fun? Uh, this one just makes me laugh. Uh, Erling Holland to outscore Inter Milan is plus 160. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which I know I said earlier, like I don't, I don't expect Inter to score. I don't either. So I, 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 I jotted down they're under. So they're half a goal. They're under half a goal. To go score us plus one fifteen, so you know, I don't know is uh, is Ederson playing or? <laughs> I think it'll, I think it will still suit up for this one. <laughs> this one high enough stakes for <laughs> you know okay. So I mean, if he plays and they're locked in, I mean, I don't know this game. I could see them getting shut out. I mean, they, they I think they. Again, against AC in the in the whole matchup, they only had one goal, right? Yes. Or did they have two? I believe they won one nil and then drew drew nil nil. Um, I close that. I close that part. Well, let me open up the inter notes, which is mostly me just swearing about how fucking boring they are to watch. <laughs> like sick of these dudes. I love you, Ed and Jekyll, but I don't want to watch these guys anymore. Very boring. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I, I had I had jotted down the under for the match, which was two and a half goals plus one fifteen. But now I'm looking at it. I think Inter's under is a little bit more attractive at that same plus one fifteen, under half a goal, just because I think City's too unpredictable. You know, we're like, all right, Holland gets three or four. Does KDB also? You know, like so they could blow out that two and a half in the first half, right? Uh, and then I'm gonna feel a little bit dumb about myself. But that would keep the Inter under half a goal in play. I'm actually going to go ahead and take that plus 115. Um, I don't think they score. Their only shot is to keep it, you know, like we said, in the mud um, and maybe try to take it to extra time or PKs or snipe one at the very end. So I don't think they're going to be that offensive-minded. Um, and I think even when they do get offensive minded, I don't think they're going to have the firepower to, to make something happen outside of just something spectacular. Let me say uh, journalism correction here. Um, they won, uh, Inter won the first leg versus AC 2 uh, 0, and then they won the second leg, uh, second leg 1 0. So they scored three over the course of those. But I mean, it was basically asleep during them. So um, <laughs> it wasn't much to, wasn't much to watch. Shout out to you for also keeping up our journalistic integrity. Um, can always count on you for that. Appreciate it. Happy to do it. I will say one little thing. I do think if if you could point to a semi weakness of City, it's I feel like uh, we didn't defend uh, set pieces great. I feel like we were kind of bottom half of the league on defending set pieces. Um, and I was saying, like I mentioned earlier, like Inter has some dudes who can really serve the ball into some like advantageous places. But the tricky thing about that is, you know, we just have a bunch of giants back there who are going to be a hundred percent locked in. And I also don't. I think we're skilled enough. We probably um, are not giving up a ton of set pieces in dangerous areas against these dudes. We're probably just taking the ball from them instead. They don't feel more dangerous than United. Um, it's a great point, you know, and. United got that very, very soft handball <laughs> on a play that wasn't going anywhere. Hate it. Bruno sticks the the penalty. But I think in this type of match, I don't know. I think they'll be locked in. And, and like I said, anything can happen. The half a goal feels like a coin flip. So, you know, plus 115 feels like just enough value to say, okay, well, if it's a 50-50 bet, um, I'll live with that. You know, I you know, obviously Inter can score. They've got dudes, you know, you could see a few different ways of, of them getting one, but um, I don't know. I think the odds are nice enough that that I'll, I'll live with that. I like it. Do you have any other props that you were looking at? So I do think there's something funny about, like, as I'm slogging through these inter games and they just keep, their opponents just keep blasting the ball off of the crossbar and each post, uh, one of my favorite, even just terminologies for a prop bet, to hit the woodwork, so to hit anywhere on the frame of the goal. <laughs> um, Erling Holland is plus three hundred. Julian Alvarez is plus six fifty. 
And our boy, our diamond, Phil Foden, mm. plus 1,000 to possibly hit the woodwork. And Phil's done it. I've seen him do it plenty of times. Uh, I love. I mean, obviously he'll he'll bang the ball in the goal uh, plenty as well. Um, if he's in the starting lineup, I'm going to go ahead and just drop a crisp. Uh, I don't know. Tw- like, I, I think the secret's out. A, a unit, one unit for us is a hundred bucks. So let me just drop a crisp twenty dollar bill on uh, on Phil hitting the woodwork, just because that's fun. Why? I mean, why not? Yeah, I could see that. And he could still hit the woodwork and it goes in. That's possible. That's how the wood works. Exactly. Do you <laughs> do you have the number for KDB on that? Because I feel like he's always good he is. for that that um thunderous, very scary, you know, woodwork strike mm. from twenty five yards out, you know, just to send a message like that's a KDB special in the first eight, nine minutes of the match. And Ginger Messi is plus 1,100 to hit the woodwork. Oh, buddy. <laughs> oh, you might be talking buddy. me into that because I know for sure he's in the starting lineup. So, Yeah. Yeah. I think we found the woodwork. Yeah. <laughs> New game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put myself down for that one. KDB plus 1,100. To hit the woodwork, I've been swayed. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch off our diamond fill. I'm riding with you, KDB. Did the woodwork? Oh no, I, 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 I would hate for it to to cost you any money if you switch <laughs> off. KDB just feels like Champions League final. You know, we're we're gonna get that moment of you could pretty much bank that we're gonna get the strike. Mm-hmm. Now we're just gonna have to watch that ball in slow motion <laughs> from 25 yards out and be like, uh, you know, like just sweat it out oh, yeah. <laughs> that third third of a second. See if it actually touches anything. I want the hit the crossbar and then bounce at that crazy angle just so the entire ball crosses the line. That's that's yeah. the goal I want. Yeah, maybe we get that filthy bounces ahead of the line, but all the backspin spins it back mm-hmm. in, and you know we get a flopping goalkeeper. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and then we we check off a couple boxes. Nice. All right, so I think we did it. It's going to be an awesome final. I'm excited, man. And let me just say. Your boy's going to be pretty devastated if we do not win this game. I mean, like, I'm a grown man. These are these are people who I've never met. Uh, but let me just say, I would just very much, <laughs> very much like us to cap this off. I Like you said, everything's been building to this. Like, thinking about Ed and Jacko and, like, when I started to like the club, like, because they signed Claudio Reyna and they were, like, a bunch of nobodies in 06 and then, you know, the, the, the man sour ownership starts. And I, and I was like looking at old Ed and Jekko highlights and like Yaya Tori's out there. Uh, Samir Nasri and fucking Vin, you know, young Vincent company is out there. And I'm just like, oh. just like, God, like I remember like feeling like, man, this is, this is like a team that I like and like these new dudes. And now it's all kind of come here and to see Jekko on the other side, and to see us here, it's like this is what the whole thing has been about. So uh, I, I will be very sad, big sad, if we don't if we don't finish this. But I don't even have to worry about that because we're gonna fucking shit stomp these guys. Here, here, I think it's happening. I also think we're gonna make a little money along the way. I think you're right. So with that said, I'm going to take us through the recap. Um, at the top of the show, I went through. All of our various NBA Finals picks. Suffice it to say, the doc's going to be looking good in about a week. Um, no way around that. In the meantime, we're both taking the Miami Heat to even the series plus 135 on the money line in game four against the Denver Nuggets. And on the pitch, we've got our Champions League final. Grant, you're still riding that city to win the Champions League bet plus 225. You're also riding your boys to, I don't know, Send a message, minus two and a half goals, plus 330. I love it. Half unit sprinkle. That's more than a sprinkle. That's that's a tablespoon or two. Mm-hmm. I can't really hate on it. Then we are getting a little bit fancy with it. We want our guy, KDB, to hit the woodwork at plus 1100. And we're going to introduce, this is our first one-fifth of a unit bet. Um, and this feels like the right the right time to introduce that one. Uh, did I miss anything? That's everything, man. It's time. The time is here. The time is here. We're ready. Your boys are going to be ready. Um, 
I'll be pulling for you, man. I don't know what else to tell you. I appreciate that very much. Awesome. Well, I think we did it. Best of luck. You too, man. Blue moon, buddy. It's a gag.